And welcome into this edition of the Intrepid STL podcast. My name is Brendan Schaefer, and what I'm planning to do here today is run through some of the questions that I received Thursday night when I took to Twitter to ask for any questions people might be interested in having answered in the delivery, which is the weekly mailbag segment that I do at theintrepidstl.com. And I received a fair bit of questions, and probably more than I expected at the time. And so instead of writing a three or 4,000-word mailbag and trying to get to everybody's questions, I picked three or four that I did in written form, and that posted on Friday morning. That will be the goal going forward is to have the mailbag go live on Friday mornings or Thursday night when possible. And then I plan to do a podcast here to answer the rest of the questions or get to as many of them as I possibly can. Obviously, I would be remiss if I didn't discuss some of the recent news the Cardinals had dropping on Friday afternoon with their press conference and the promotion of General Manager John Moselock to President of Baseball Operations for the St. Louis Cardinals, and Michael Gersh received the promotion to General Manager. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to say on this topic because I'm of the opinion that John Moselock gets the promotion, and while Gersh will be handling more of the day-to-day aspects of the club, I think that there won't be anything major that happens for the St. Louis Cardinals. No big decisions will take place without John Moselock uh, having his stamp of approval going over that move. And so I think for Michael Gersh, it's good news because he gets a promotion and a raise. Same can be said for John Moselock. They'll both get promotions and raises, and they'll be under contract with the club until 2020, uh, which means the future of the Cardinals' front office is stabilized, and you, you kind of know where it's coming from for the next few years. But as far as whether or not that will change things over the course of the next month or so as the Cardinals prepare for the trade deadline on July 31st, I think John Moselak will still be running the show, and this is just kind of giving formal titles to some of the implementations of roles that the Cardinals had already done within their front office, especially with regard to Moselak, who has for a long while now been fulfilling duties beyond that of a traditional general manager. And I think president of baseball operations – is is a position you create for this guy because he's done so much for the organization and he's got a lot of power within the organization. And now that can be reflected within his title. And, you know, people talk about the Chicago Cubs with the relationship between Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, who's actually the general manager of the Cubs. But whenever the Cubs do anything significant, it's Theo that gets the credit. And so I don't think this really changes anything for the Cardinals. Uh, I saw some fans on Twitter asking, you know, is this a promotion or a demotion for Moselak? It's certainly a promotion. It makes him kind of the baseball czar of the St. Louis Cardinals. But as far as the day-to-day effect that that will have or or the decision-making process, I really don't think it's too significant in in any one direction. You might see and hear more from Michael Gersh at this point. He may probably have a, a, a bigger role with speaking to the media and things of that nature. But other than that, I don't think it's that significant uh, of a move from a, a fan perspective because I don't really think it changes uh, the, the the way the decisions will be made. John Moselak will still be the chief influencer of everything that happens with the St. Louis Cardinals and now even more so than before. So with that kind of out of the way, I wanted to at least touch on that for a couple of minutes. I will start going through my inbox now from Twitter questions. And the first comes from John Stout, who said he was just curious on my thoughts of a potential Jerko and Lance Lynn for Joe Kelly and Raphael Devers' trade. Uh, The St. Louis Cardinals, of course, are in a spot right now where they're a few games out of the NL Central lead, but they're even further below 500. And it's hard to imagine that this St. Louis Cardinals team is a contender for a postseason berth and potentially more. You talk about 
trying to get to the playoffs and do something once you get there. Right now, it's tough to imagine that for the Cardinals, although they are coming off a series victory over the Diamondbacks, which was the first series win against a non-Phillies opponent. And the Phillies, of course, are the worst team in baseball. And I think the Cardinals have taken a couple series from them over the last month or so. Uh, but since May 12th through the 14th, when the Cardinals took two of three from the Chicago Cubs, the win over the D-backs this week was the first series win against any team that wasn't the Phillies in, you know, a month and a half. And so for the Cardinals to convince me and others that they're capable of making a run at things, they're going to have to win more series against more winning ball clubs and, and just ball clubs in general that aren't the worst team in baseball. And so they'll get a chance starting on Friday night with the Washington Nationals, a series in St. Louis. The Nationals, of course, have had a bullpen that you just cannot rely upon. They ended up blowing a game to the Cubs on Thursday. And so the Cardinals hopefully will be able to take advantage of the lack of depth in that Washington bullpen and really the lack of high-end talent. And so we'll see what happens there. But because of the nature of the Cardinals and where they are in the thick of things right now and, and the fact that they're a few games below 500. People are wondering what type of team they'll be at the trade deadline. Will they be looking to sell uh, for the first time since really the mid-90s? Or will they be looking to add a piece for a stretch run or potentially something in between? The question from John looks at Jerko and Lynn as possibilities for the Red Sox. And on the surface, I agree that those are, are things that both make sense. You look at Jed Jerko and the production that he's given at third base, whether you kind of anticipated that going into the season or not, has been very good, and you know the Red Sox are one of the worst in the league as far as production from that position. So on the surface, he makes sense as a guy the Red Sox could use, and Lynn, I think to go to any contender, would add to their pitching depth, and so he's another guy that makes sense. The question would be for the Cardinals is, uh, you know, what what are you hoping to accomplish by getting rid of a couple major league players? That would kind of concede at that point that you're not making a run at this season. I think if you were to trade Lance Lynn, in an isolated deal, or you could say the same for Rosenthal or even Sungwano, uh, entitled trading short-term assets for long-term returns. And we saw in the press conference on Friday that Moselak, I believe it was Moselak, could have been Bill DeWitt. One of the two said that he doesn't view that as technically selling, being a seller at the trade deadline, because that's just good business sense to trade a guy like Lynn or O or even Rosenthal, who has one year on a contract, one year on a contract, and in Rosenthal's case, would be under team control for next season, 2018 as well. To, to get years of control in young prospects in that kind of trade just makes sense as, as a business move, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an indictment on the Cardinals this season and say they're selling uh, when, in reality, they could make some moves and try to make something happen for this season as well. Obviously, getting rid of a guy like Jerko, though, would change the complexion of that move because Jerko is under team control for a couple more seasons as well. And so when you go and trade a guy that could be helping you in, in years future and just to try to shake things up, that would be more indicative of a selling-type trade. Now, Rafael Devers is one of the top prospects in baseball. He's a third-base prospect. He's playing at double-A, doing really well there. The Red Sox have said they don't want to bring him up until they know they can give him regular playing time at the major league level. And so... A 20-year-old guy, I believe, is his age, and he's got a lot of talent. Would absolutely fit what the Cardinals are looking for, potentially as a middle-of-the-order bat in the future. And I've done some of my trade polls, including him, already this uh, season. And so I think he'd be a good fit. Joe Kelly is the other name that John had in his trade question. And Kelly, I don't know that the Cardinals would be trading back for a guy that they've already traded away. Uh, obviously, circumstances with Kelly have changed because Kelly's now a guy who throws 104 out of the bullpen and could certainly you know, help the Cardinals out of the back end of the bullpen. But I, I think in this situation, if you talk strictly Jerko and Lynn 
for Kelly Endeavors as John did in his question. I don't know that that's enough for Boston uh, to be willing to give up on a guy who's a flamethrower reliever at this point, but more so because of the the nature of Devers as a top prospect. Uh, I, I understand the thought process, and I think it's kind of – look, I always enjoy it when people give uh, these kind of trade ideas within uh, my inbox on Twitter. It's fun. I We do it all the time in the trade polls. I think it's something to, it's something to do. It's entertaining, and it, and it usually provokes good discussion uh, between fans. And so I enjoy it when people do that, but – on this particular trade, I don't know that it's quite realistic enough for it to happen. But again, I think the Cardinals, strictly talking about the, the guys Lynn, Owen, Rosenthal, I think those are guys the Cardinals uh, should be considering moving before the trade deadline because of the idea that you can trade guys that are only going to help you this season. And if you're not all in on this year, you don't have to be selling. But if you're not all in, uh, I, I just don't think that it's necessarily the move to kind of hold on and hoard these guys until – uh, they end up walking in free agency and potentially going elsewhere with all you getting in return would be a, a draft pick compensation, which if that draft pick comp for, say, Lance Lynn, who uh, would would probably deserve one of those with the contract he would sign with another team, uh, you, you might end up getting a nice player for that. But I think overall it would be better to get a, a prospect that's closer toward the big leagues than necessarily a, a draft pick that you really don't necessarily know right now what that's going to turn into. And that kind of leads me into the next question, which comes from Andy Kroger. He asks, wouldn't it benefit the Cardinals more both long-term and short-term to sell off a few pieces while they're still in the hunt this year? It's unlikely they'll make the playoffs and have too many weaknesses to overcome. Wouldn't it be best to pull what the Yankees did last year and maybe see some of the young guys and what they can do in the second half this season? That is kind of how I feel to an extent. I talked about Lynn, Owen, Rosenthal. I think those are the guys you move. Now, if you make another move, what kind of guy are you acquiring? Is it the likes of Marcelo Zuna or Christian Yelich from the Miami Marlins where you're getting a guy that can help you with your offense this season, but also he's under contract for several years to come? And it's more geared toward, in my opinion, the years like 2018, 2019, and 2020. I think those are the kinds of moves the Cardinals should be looking for right now. As far as, though, being too far out of it to, to get to the playoffs, that's not the case at the moment. You certainly can make a run only three and a half games back, and the team that you're behind currently is the Milwaukee Brewers, and nobody's really expecting them to stick around long term. And so I think the Cardinals should not necessarily go crazy with selling necessarily, but consider what John Mosellock and company have have said is that you want to turn short-term assets into long-term ones and and make the trades that make sense. It doesn't have to be a wholesale teardown of what the current team is, especially in a situation where only a couple of things have to break right and suddenly you're right back in the playoff mix. Right now the Cardinals are without Dexter Fowler and Colton Wong. Colton Wong, for all the kind of controversy that has surrounded his career as a Cardinal, he's been really good this season when he's been on the field. And so if you can get Colton Wong back on the field, I think that's one thing that makes your team considerably better. Right now the the biggest weakness, I think, on the roster seems to be what's happening at second base in, in his absence because you're not getting a whole lot of production in that middle infield. Certainly you could talk about some starting pitching issues the Cardinals have had in the bullpen is obviously a concern too. But I'm looking at the position players right now, and I think second base in the absence of Wong is obviously a bit of a concern. And so I think there could be a way to make a run at this thing, but you're, you're trying to kind of tread water at the moment until such time that some of these guys return from injury. It's, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe, but I don't think the Cardinals are to the point where you can, you can tear things down and decide that the season's over. Maybe that point does come by the All-Star break and, and they've lost a couple more series in the interim. 
But until that happens, I think the Cardinals are still within striking distance to where the move is to make a play for a hitter that can help you this year, but also in the long term. A question from Peyton Cooley comes from Twitter once again. At what point do you consider Piscotty being the long-term first baseman because of the depth in the outfield? He's talking about the minor leagues where you have Adolis Garcia, Harrison Bader, even Oscar Mercado, some of those guys, uh, Magnier Sierra we've seen already in St. Louis this season. There's so many kind of younger athletic outfielders that really are going to have a hard time finding their way onto the Cardinals roster when you consider that Dexter Fowler is under contract for the long term right now and Stephen Piscotty is as well. I think it kind of depends, and back to the question of do I see Piscotty necessarily making that switch at some point to being the first baseman down the road. One, I don't know if Piscotty's bat can handle that position. We've talked about in the past that you know when, when you sacrifice offense at one position like first base, like the Cardinals have done for many years since Albert Pujols really left, uh, you're, you're kind of having to make up for it in other spots, like when Carpenter in 2013 uh, is an all-star as a second baseman. Ideally, the teams that are contenders year in and year out, they have first base locked down by a guy who is going to mash and is going to be able to provide for them in the, in the middle of that order. Stephen Piscotty is being asked to do that this year, but long-term, isn't Piscotty more of a number five or maybe number six batter on a, on a lineup that you feel really good about? I don't think that's an unfair assessment. And so that's kind of one of the ideas. The other is Matt Carpenter. Is Matt Carpenter going to be long-term playing anywhere else on the diamond other than first base and maybe uh, if if the Cardinals get a wild hair to do it, put him in left field? I don't think that that's going to make sense for him because even though you can do it in the short term, stick him at third or second like the Cardinals might be considering right now with Colton Wong out and you're, you're trying to get some more production out of that lineup. In the long term, Matt Carpenter is just not the kind of defender that you can justify that kind of move for. So as long as Carpenter's on the team, I don't necessarily see Piscotty making a switch to first base. Okay, and uh, for the next question, I'm, I'm going to kind of combine a couple of these because there were some that were pretty similar uh, Cody Hicks asks me what I think the most realistic trade that could happen. He says, personally, he's hoping for a top-notch third-base upgrade and a solid shortstop upgrade. And some of the other questions that came in, like the one from Jake Lawson, said, how do you go about rebuilding the Cardinals? And so I think those are kind of questions that go hand-in-hand, hand, and some others might have had similar questions that they asked me as well. And that's kind of the interest. I put it out to Twitter a couple weeks ago. My question was, and it might have been more recent than that, but what I said was the two moves that you think the Cardinals need to make between now and the beginning of the 2018 baseball season. What are they that can kind of re and rebuild is not necessarily the right word. I've credited Brian Hoffman, uh, the producer at 590 The Fan, for saying the term refresh, which is kind of something that Moselock mentioned in his press conference on Friday as well. Just the idea that the Cardinals are close, that there are some things that you'd like to kind of rearrange and fix, but it doesn't have to be a whole rebuild. And so when I'm looking at trades that are realistic, and I think there are a couple moves that can be made for this team before the beginning of the 2018 season that can put them immediately into contention uh, upon the start of that year. One of them, I think shortstop is definitely a need of this team. I know people are talking about the offense as though the production from the lineup has not been enough. And at, at times during this year, I agree with that. On the whole, that's a fair assessment. But remember back to before the 2017 season began, the entire conversation was about the defense, right? Defense, athleticism, the Cardinals wanted to improve at these things. And, you know, looking back at the ledger at this point, there's no way that you can say that they've done so. The defense has still been bad. Uh, the base running has still been bad. Athleticism, perhaps in the outfield, you've gotten a little bit better. You've got Tommy Pham involved 
at the time, and so he, he's doing a good job with that. But overall, I just don't think that the goals established by the Cardinals before the 2017 season began have really come to fruition. And so uh, one way to do that, I think, would be up the middle. They always talk about being strong up the middle. you got to have a good catcher, a good middle infield defense, obviously good pitching, and a good center fielder. And, and right now the Cardinals, I think, have an opportunity to approach the Los Angeles Angels and try to find out what it would take to pry Andrelton Simmons out of their clutches. This is a guy who was traded to the Angels from Atlanta a, a couple seasons ago, has a contract under control for 2018, 2019, and 2020. I believe the, the, the deal escalates at like $11 million and then $13 million and finally $15 million, uh, something to that effect. I think he's got a few years left on that deal. It's pretty reasonable. And you look at the profile for him throughout his career, it's been a top-notch elite defender at shortstop and not very much as far as the the bat is concerned. This season, though, you look at his numbers, he's right around league average. I like to use OPS+, and the last I checked a few days ago, he was right smack dab at 100, which is considered decidedly league average uh, for a hitter of his position. And so uh, you look at Simmons and the fact that he would bring elite defense to the shortstop position, Uh, something Cardinal fans of previous generations would definitely be able to appreciate, talking about throwing it back to Ozzie Smith in those days. Obviously, the one concern would be that that doesn't do enough for your lineup, considering this team has needed more offensive punch than they've had at many points in the season. And if you're devoting trade assets to a guy that's not helping what many have considered to be the number one cause of the Cardinals' problems with a bad offense, and just an offense that's been decidedly boring, and it's just not very interesting to watch at times. You've seen certain players inject some life into it. I like to talk about Colton Wong doing so, and certainly you'd have to make an argument for Tommy Pham having done so in recent weeks. But overall, I think a lot of people would agree that that's been something that has been lacking for the Cardinals. And so does Simmons necessarily fix that? No, but he he fixes an issue that you guys admitted, if you're the Cardinals, that you had last season. Right, I like Alemis Diaz a lot. I hope that he can go to Memphis and work on things offensively. Obviously, uh, he needs to improve as a defender too, but I, I think long-term, if you like the bat on Diaz, you can move him to a different position uh, to give him an opportunity there. I don't think shortstop is necessarily the spot for Diaz uh, on a contending team that the Cardinals definitely intend to be. And so Andrelton Simmons would be my guy. I do not know exactly what it would cost, but I do consider it realistic. I know that the Angels have kind of overachieved what they expected, especially with the absence of Mike Trout. He's been out for a while, but they're still hovering right around 500 right now and only a couple games out of a wild card berth. And so they're in the mix, but I think the Cardinals should try to, you know, you could go ahead and overwhelm them uh, for a Simmons. The Angels have one of the weakest uh, minor league systems in the game of baseball. And so you can look to give them some pitching depth in their minor leagues, some guys, some prospects that could make their way Uh, To the major leagues, the Cardinals have plenty of those, and you could even consider some young outfield prospects as well. I know the Angels have the best outfielder in the game of baseball, the best player in the game, but, you know, Mike Trout is probably not going to be there forever. You need more than that to be able to have a a contending ball club, and the Angels have shown that even even with Albert Pujols on the team and they've gotten some decent seasons out of him, they just don't have pitching. They don't have the players around the stars on that club to – to make any noise in the playoffs consistently. And so I think they would be interested in potentially moving Simmons in order to get some pieces back. Now, it would take probably multiple pieces, but I think it's a deal that is realistic. As far as my second move, though, uh, I got a little long-winded on the the Simmons talk, but it is something that I feel would definitely help the Cardinals. And and I think he's out there, should be available uh, if, if if you name the right price for him. 
But the other move, I think, has got to be a big bat, right? Now, if you're devoting trade assets to other moves, could that bat come in free agency? A guy like J.D. Martinez would be available this offseason. Would you really be able to swing big uh, for, for a bat in, in the trade market right now like a Josh Donaldson? Uh, some people are more enthused by him than others. I'm one where I say if you're willing to go after Josh Donaldson, you've got to try to you know really swing big and go for a guy like Manny Machado which he's going to be the big prize in the free agent class following the 2018 season. Uh, and, again, there's speculation over whether the Cardinals would be willing to go to the lengths that it would take to acquire him. Uh, we're talking probably a record contract between him and Bryce Harper, whether it's $300 million, $350, $400 million. It's going to be a circus to watch that develop following the 2018 season for, for several guys that are going to be on the market. But, the Cardinals, I think, have, have really been lacking that star player, as I mentioned earlier, uh, not only at the first base position when Albert left, but really at any position since Albert left. You talk about the couple years of Carlos Beltran that you got were really good years, and he was a good team leader and a good bat in the middle of that lineup. But at some point, if the Cardinals were willing to do whatever is necessary to acquire a guy like, like a Manny Machado, I think that's the guy you plug into the middle of your lineup for years and years. But the question was realistic, and do I honestly, uh, in my heart of hearts, think that Manny Machado was realistic for the Cardinals? Probably not. Maybe I'll get swept up into the frenzy at some point next year, but where I'm standing right now, I just don't see it as something that's very likely to happen. And so a guy that's probably a power bat going into free agency, and you could you could get him for money and you don't have to give up trade assets for him, I think might be the best scenario, unless you can find a team uh, that you're looking for I don't know, some outfielders, you've got depth there if you're the Cardinals. I think a J.D. Martinez type would make sense in free agency. If you are going to go the trade route, though, and this would be especially costly, and that's why I kind of hesitate to even include it in a discussion of what's realistic. But if the Cardinals wanted to, they've got the pieces to go after a guy like Ozuna or a guy like Yelich and and really make a splash and kind of rework the shape of this team. Will they do it? Probably not, but I think that it certainly would be out there and possible and I'd have to be calling up the Marlins, who, who are a team in turmoil. You never know who's available, who's not. But I think that would be the, the Angels and Angleton Simmons and the Marlins and, and some of those young outfielders they have over there. Those would be the two areas that I would focus my attention in trade talks. And if you can't get that outfielder via trade, I think you, you go into the offseason with the idea that you've got Jerko, Carpenter, and, and, and maybe whoever you would consider to be your left fielder, Fam or Grichik at that point. And you can try to upgrade one of those spots, whether that means trading Grichik uh, for part of that deal or whether that means trading a Jed Jerko or even a Matt Carpenter if you wanted to. I, I, that's been something that's been discussed. You could get a lot for him potentially on an American League team, and that would be one move you could use to revamp this, this roster for the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, I, I don't want to bring that up at this point because it's not realistic, I think, to the discussion that we're having. But you look at some of those positions that are in flux, I think, first base, third base, and left field are kind of spots you could look for in free agency or the trade market to acquire a power bat. And that would be the other the, the other move I would make of the two uh, to kind of refresh the St. Louis Cardinals roster in a hurry. You like where they are pitching-wise. I think you're going to have Alex Reyes back next year, and that's going to make a difference. You've got Carlos Martinez as well for the long haul. Mike Leake's under contract. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Lynn is probably going to walk if you don't trade him, so you might as well get some value for him in whatever capacity you can. Adam Wainwright, that's kind of up in the air as far as next year, where he'll be, if it'll be in the starting rotation, or if things kind of decline a little bit and he's a bullpen guy. I expect the Cardinals to want him in that rotation 
because that's what they signed him to do. And unless things just get really rough for him over the course of the final couple months of 2017 to where they have to go in a different direction, I still kind of, in the back of my mind, am expecting him to be a part of that. Michael Waka might or might not be a part of that. It's kind of hard to tell. But I think with, you know, the Luke Weaver and Jack Flaherty and some of the other good young arms, Sandy Alcantara, that you have in this system, you can afford to trade some of them and expect that by next year some of them will be around and will be able to help you out at the major league level, whether it's as a starter or out of the bullpen. So I think those are the moves the Cardinals should make. I like Simmons. I like the outfielders from the Marlins. Uh, do they have enough firepower in the system to get both of those kind of deals done? I think they do, but it would certainly be out of character and in a bigger transition than, than probably what the Cardinals have done in recent years. I think you'd also see some talent from the major league level depart in those kinds of deals. Would a Randall Grichik be attractive to any of those teams? Uh, certainly if he keeps hitting a home run every other night, he will be. But because you've had to send him down multiple times, what does that do to his trade value? Uh, does Colton Wong garner any interest? I certainly don't think you – you're probably taking two steps forward and two steps back if you trade Colton Wong as part of a deal to shake up this team because I think he's the kind of player and, and really the kind of personality that you'd like to have on a winning ball club going forward. Uh, he's a guy who wants to win. Uh, I know he's had issues in the past with certain things, but I, I, I'm i not going to apologize for being a, a fan of Colton Wong. Colton Wong's game because I have been for years now. And so I think those are the moves the Cardinals should consider making. And uh, that's kind of the way I foresee things going if the Cardinals put themselves uh, in position to make these moves. Now, which is more likely than the other? I, I just don't know if Simmons is very likely. You haven't you haven't really heard much talk about him, and, and perhaps the, the Angels would prefer to keep him. They didn't give up a heck of a lot to get him. I think that was kind of a a trade the Braves made where they maybe didn't realize the full scope of Simmons' value at the time because you look at what they received. They got Sean Newcomb, who's helping out in their rotation some this year. But other than that, just kind of pieces. I think Chris Ellis was one of the guys that went from Los Angeles to Atlanta in that deal, and now he's in the Cardinals system as a pitcher that came over as part of the Jaime Garcia trade. And so I don't know what it would take to get Simmons. I know he he didn't cost a whole lot in trade pieces the first time, but maybe – the Angels are smarter than that to give him up for cheap, and so it could be painful. Uh, I do think the Cardinals have to long-term make some kind of move for a star bat, and it would just make sense for that bat to go into the outfield unless you are talking about moving a Jerko or moving a Carpenter, which I honestly don't know if they're comfortable doing. And so that's why I would say a move for that kind of outfielder might be more likely to happen than the move for an Andrelton Simmons, uh, whether I like it or not. I think that's kind of the way things are shaping up. Uh, but that's that's the way I see it for right now. And uh, looking at the questions, I think that's about all we're going to cover for this podcast because we've kind of taken up a good amount of time on the questions we did answer. I hope it gives people kind of a good idea of where I think this team is at, what I think they need to do approaching the trade deadline. Of course, we'll continue to do periscopes after many of these games, hopefully in the near future, and continue to interact on Twitter as well. Go ahead and subscribe to the IntrepidSTL.com and the IntrepidSTL podcast right here. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. would love to have you subscribe to both of those places. And I'm really excited, too, about what's going on over at the website. We've got STL Cards Cards, Cardinals Farm, and, of course, Zach Gifford on board as writers. Still looking to make some new additions as well in the coming days and weeks. And so if, if you are somebody who feels like uh, this is for you, talking about the Cardinals, writing about the Cardinals, and 
perhaps you want to make a career out of it, I definitely want to talk to you and see what you have. So always feel free to direct message me on Twitter. I'm at bshafer12 there. And give me a like on Facebook too, facebook.com slash bshafer12. The final plug that I'll give before we wrap things up on this podcast, The Intrepid STL is on Twitter now. The handle is at The Intrepid STL. Pretty simple, just like the website. It's got the same logo and everything as well. Looking to revamp some of the... Uh, the graphics and things associated with the account and the website right now, that, now that we're up and running full-time. And, of course, always a thanks to at Cardinals Gifts on Twitter, who does a heck of a lot of good work for the website and is supporting the cause with his time. And he is always much appreciated as well. So give all those guys that I shouted out a follow on Twitter if you don't already. And stay tuned to the account for some giveaways that we're planning on doing here in the near future as well. I appreciate you guys for listening, and until next time, this has been Brendan Schaefer with the latest Intrepid STL podcast.